1: How are you going, Tim? I'm very well, thanks, Ken. Thank you for having me on board. Really appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure. Now, today we're going to talk about a couple of topics. One is uh, life insurance, and in particular, policy ownership, and the other is uh, income protection. But before we get there, just remind our listeners, Tim, Stewart Group, what are you guys all about?
0: We're all about financial planning. We provide advice on wealth management, risk management, KiwiSaver, and pensions. And, of course, all the details are on our website, StewartGroup.co.nz. And this discussion is of a general nature and should not be construed as advice. A disclosure statement is available upon request, and you should always seek the guidance of a registered financial advisor.
1: Now, I've uh, been to your offices a few times, and boy, do they look impressive or not. They're fabulous. And uh, it's sort of think, hmm, Is that, is it that a place for, I hate to use the word, rich people, but anyone can come and see you guys, can't they?
0: Absolutely, yes, sir. Anybody can come through the doors of the Stewart Group and they'll be assured of a warm welcome, a great reception, and we'll sit down and have a chat with them and find out what their plans are for the future. If they haven't got any plans in terms of financial planning, we can help guide them in a direction that will give them the financial freedom that they want. Nothing is guaranteed,
1: of course, but yes. you have to have a plan. Absolutely right. How often should we, we be looking at our plan, our financial plan, as we move forward? Should we, A lot of people just get something in place they put it in the drawer they forget about it and then 20 years they say oh what's what have we got in the drawer? Depending on the complexity of the plan, but a minimum once a year, yep. just to make sure that current trends are
0: factored into the plan, any changes in your personal circumstances are factored in as well, which is so important, because you know life can present bumps and yes, bounces indeed. and all sorts, and things change,
1: and your goals and aspirations may change, especially as you get closer to retirement. Yes. Okay, now today we're going to talk about something that most people don't really like talking about. It's life insurance, because I suppose once you buy life insurance, you think, oh, It's quite final, isn't it, life insurance?
0: Well, it is, and unfortunately with life insurance specifically, you're not going to be around to get the benefit of it. That's (laughs)
1: right. But the people that
0: you know, love, and care about are. Now, I want to talk specifically, briefly, about life insurance penetration. Now, that's a perimeter to determine, I guess, the ratio of premiums from life insurance policies to the gross GDP of a country. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a highfalutin way of saying Is life insurance penetration indicating that there is a development of an insurance sector that's strong and it reflects the popularity of insurance products amongst citizens? So what I'm going to talk about briefly here is statistics from the OECD, of which there are 38 members. Now, New Zealand's life insurance penetration is 0.7. Wow. That's not much. Not much. Luxembourg by comparison, is 27.4. Now, people might sort of say to me, well, hang on a minute, what's the difference between the relative economies? And yes, we can't compare New Zealand to Luxembourg in terms of what drives the economy, but what I can tell you is that Luxembourg's GDP in 2020 was 73.99 billion US dollars. New Zealand's, by comparison, was 211.7 billion US dollars. So we make a bigger GDP, and yet our penetration with life insurance is so much less. Mm. Why is this? Possibly because the citizens of Luxembourg understand the benefits of life insurance and other insurance products. They've accumulated wealth wealth, and they definitely want to protect it. So that what it, that's what it comes down to. So that's the point I'm wanting to make is around why are New Zealanders slow on the uptake when it comes to insurance products that protect themselves as individuals and the ability to earn money. Is it, for example, around our view of ACC? Um, It provides relatively generous benefits for disability and death due to accidents, but it doesn't cover illness. Now, a poll conducted by the Financial Service Council in 2015 said about 20% of New Zealanders think that ACC covers long-term
1: illnesses that prevent employment, which is incorrect. No, just before we move on, uh, how do our statistics compare to our nearest neighbours, like Australia or even the UK or America? What's the take up like there? There's a significantly advance in New Zealand.
0: Unfortunately, financial literacy across the board, in New Zealand is quite low. Yeah, we should be teaching more in schools, in my humble opinion. To hop on my soapbox about. Not necessarily taking life insurance, etc., etc., et, cetera, et cetera, but creating wealth, foregoing consumption today for mm-hmm. down the track. And obviously KiwiSaver has played a part in that with that recent relatively yeah. globally introduction. But unfortunately, I feel that we could have had something along those lines
1: decades ago and the world would be different for New Zealands possibly than what it is now. Who should have life insurance? I mean, should it be uh, the main breadwinner or should it be the breadwinner and their partner or their children? Where do you draw the line? Where do you stop? That's a great question. Generally speaking,
0: life insurance, if we just concentrate that on as a product so that if somebody was to predecease another person in their life, then the lump sum gets paid to the estate or to the family. So basically, you would use it on the person that's earning the most money because you can use the life insurance to cover the income that they did earn Mm -hmm. and also to repay back any debt that they may have. But the most important thing is to understand it's not necessarily about a win-fall gain. It's about understanding what the risks are for your current situation and coming up with a plan that's suitable and applicable to your situation. That's what it comes down to. I mean, it's the old story. I could create for you an estate worth $5
1: million with a stroke of a pen. Yep. Is there the need for it? Yes, exactly. So, I mean, how much is too much and how much is not enough? That's that's a great question. Everybody's position and
0: decision-making process is different because it also comes down to personal cash flow. If somebody, for example, is on half a million dollars a year, in theory they may have significant more debt than the average person. However, they may be able to afford the related income protection insurance and life insurance mm. policies, as opposed to somebody on a minimum wage, it would be a different circumstance. So one of the key things that we understand at the Stewart Group is – what is your, I guess, spending level for a risk plan? But as a general rule of thumb in the industry, look about two to three percent of your gross income.
1: Yeah, I wonder uh, though, Tim, in these recessionary times that we are in, um, most people might be looking at their their spending and saying, okay, well, you know, let's have a look. What can we cut out of our budget because you know times are tight and tough. So people might be looking So, well oh, look, I'm paying life insurance and I'm paying 100 bucks a month. Let's cut that out because I'm still alive. Good move, not. Again, I've just got to plead the
0: fifth and say it depends on the circumstance. Yep. However, what I will say is, in my experience, and I've had 36 years in the financial services industry, I've never had come on, someone come back to me and say, I've been paid too much money by the life insurance company. No. Well, mainly because right. they've passed away, but yes. their estate, etc. if you see my point there. Yes, indeed. However, what some money does it provides time, time to the people remaining to work out what their plan is. Mm. Because there's nothing worse than perhaps if it's a widow that's left with three children and the mortgage is getting tight and they can't pay their debt and the bank comes on the door and then they're kicked out. So even if it's not covering the full debt, at least it can cover interest
1: costs while they work out what their next steps are. Yeah, I suppose uh, that would be probably a good amount to have for life insurance, wouldn't it, uh, to pay off your existing um, mortgage Exactly. So what's the our biggest
0: expense? Yeah.
1: Our mortgage expense. Having said that, also, not everyone
0: has a mortgage. They may be renting, but then it provides the comfort of knowing that, hey, they've got six months, 12 months, five years of rent payment covered off, and or perhaps putting the kids through school.
1: Yeah. Now, I mentioned a bit earlier that uh, it says it's a good idea to have a plan. Uh, you, you certainly mentioned it. I agree with you. And uh, we should be reviewing it because I remember many, 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 many years ago, I took a life insurance policy, which, I don't know, round figures, let's say it was worth $150,000. Yes. Now it's hardly worth enough to put me in the ground. Because that's because of inflationary pressure yes. and all the rest of it, cost of living, et cetera. So
0: how often should I have reviewed that plan? Probably once a year. But one of the things that – Life insurance does have, and other insurances, of course, is a CPI index increase. Mm. So that each year, it could go up, as it is at the moment, 7.2%, 6.7%, etc., depending on what the CPI is. And that's without any medical underwriting, which is a good feature to have.
1: Now, you mentioned, um, before we came to where we were going to talk about policy ownership, and, and you've raised a good point which we're going to talk about right now. And I just presume that if I have a life insurance policy and um, my wife is my main beneficiary, that she would automatically get the the benefit from my life insurance policy, but it might not be the case. That's a great statement. You're absolutely right because there are two people
0: or two entities involved with a life insurance policy. There is what's called the life assured,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or the life insured, call it what you will. So that is the person whom the policy is on. So if Tim was to pass away... I'm the life assured, the money will go to the owner of that policy. Now, if I am the owner of that policy, it comes to my estate. Mm-hmm. Now, the key point is, is that ownership of an insurance policy has stronger legal rights than a will. Yeah. So, in your situation, when you talked about yourself, Ken, and your good lady wife, if it's a joint-owned policy, Ken mm-hmm. and your wife... If you were to predecease your wife, it would automatically go to your wife. Yes, nothing to do with the will, nothing to do with any legal involvement whatsoever. Straight to your wife. No wait, as long as the death certificate is there and it's really straightforward, then the money can be paid out within seven to fourteen working days, depending on the circumstance. So those
1: two words are very important: joint owned. Correct. However, right money
0: to the right people at the right time. Yeah. That's what determines the flow of money in an insurance policy payout with regards to life insurance. So, for example, not many people realise, and I have seen it once in my career from arm's length, but that there was a situation whereby there was a husband and wife, and they owned their own individual policies. Mm -hmm. They did not have a will. The husband predeceased the wife which means that he dies intestate. Now, if there was no children, his wife would receive the personal effects that he has, such as furniture, paintings, homeware, that kind of thing. $155,000 with interest from the date of death and a third of anything left. Mm. So imagine in the terrible situation of perhaps the children are estranged from their mother they are legally entitled to the remaining two thirds divided equally between them. Wow! Now, I just need to Scary. emphasize I'm not a lawyer. No. I'm not a legal person, but this is just in layman's terms what would would happen in general common law.
1: Okay, so I, I guess if we... The, the beauty of coming to see people like yourself, of course, is that uh, you know, you're um, an expert in your field. But if I just went to someone and said, look, I want to take out a life insurance policy, are they obliged to say to me, uh, I would think it'd be in your own interest to have this as a joint-owned policy, or would it just say something on the bottom line? That's a great question, Ken.
0: Registered financial advisors, people with experience, they should be doing anything and everything in terms of not only the law but the ethics and being a decent human being to point out the trips and pitfalls of, of perhaps what the client is thinking of doing, just to make sure that their best interests are always put forward. Because I don't know everything about a car engine, mm-hmm. but I go to the mechanic to get it fixed and the oil change and all the rest of it. But they generally point out to me if something needs doing or if perhaps I'm saying, hey, just change the tyres. And they go, well, actually, you need an oil change and a new filter. So I'm taking their advice. Sure. And that's what a quality financial advisor should do. Look at the whole situation of the client and make recommendations and suggestions that are best suited to
1: that client. Do people have... to? be specifically named as a beneficiary of a life insurance um y- yes they do in the fact that's by name not just wife or husband
0: yes the other option of course though if it was just a for example uh, a person on their own and they've got their will up to date then their will could determine mm. where the money
1: flows to yeah and some insurance com- uh, companies allow beneficiaries to be nominated as well yeah Okay, so on a scale of 1 to 10, how important is it to have life insurance for the, the breadwinner in the family? 10. Yeah. What about the partner and the
0: children? Uh, The children would have to reach an age where it's justifiable to have it. Um, But having said that, in my own case, when my children get to age 18, I take out life insurance policies on them. Uh, One, they're relatively cheap. Two, we don't know what medical situations could change for them, and so it's already locked in. Mm -hmm. And three, in the unthinkable circumstance of them, heaven forbid, leaving us ahead of their time, Mm -hmm. it would give me and my wife, my wife and I, time to just take time out, get some counseling, perhaps uh, make a donation to a charity that was close to our children's heart, mm. that kind of thing. Uh, it's just we just don't know what life is going to play us in terms of cards Ken.
1: Yeah. Can you take out a policy in anyone's name? Do you have to have their permission to do that?
0: You do, you do. You need them to sign it, and you need to go through a declaration with them to understand what their health situation mm-hmm. is. So I can't randomly pick someone off the street, take a life insurance policy out on them, make I, yourself a beneficiary. Exactly, because that would create all sorts of fraudulent situations, and and I guess a slippery slope
1: that we wouldn't really want to talk about on here. Indeed. Okay, now let's talk about um, let's talk about income protection because. It's another insurance, isn't it? And most people are thinking, wow, why do I need income protection? Because I'm in good health, I've got a good job, why do I need it? Well, that's, again, a great question, um, Ken. In the year to June
0: 2019, $1.87 billion, or 78% of the total insurance spend in New Zealand, was on life insurance. However, only $0.38 billion, or 16%, was spent on the likes of income protection insurance. So the simple thing I say to people is that if you start out an employment at age 20 and you earn $50,000 a year and you retire at age 65, if you work out the maths as to what that figure would be, mm. that's your earning capacity for your life. Yeah. So would you not want to protect
1: that? Mm-hmm. If
0: there would... was a machine sitting on your couch at home pulling in
1: $50,000 a year, would you not insure it? You would. But why don't people think about it? Do you think, Tim, I mean, you say we've got one of the lowest lowest take-up rates in the world. Why aren't people more savvy about it? it that's a good question. It comes down to
0: education. It comes down to the insurance company perhaps uh, not telling their stories well enough because there is the misconception in the public that insurance companies don't want to pay claims. Now, I'm talking about life insurance, mm-hmm. income protection insurance, et etc. et cetera. I could not speak more highly of the insurance companies that I've dealt with with claims. Now, I can't go into specifics because yep. that would breach confidentiality. Mm-hmm. But some of the circumstances I've dealt with have been just incredible. I've had people that have had occupational health and uh, occupational therapists turn up at their place of them. where they were working just to look at ways of improving the engagement with them when they do get back to work. Mm. I've had insurance company case managers visit clients, and this is flying down from Auckland to see people. It's just been incredible,
1: really has. I suppose it's a bit like uh, KiwiSaver. I mean, to me, KiwiSaver, it's a no-brainer. But I know people who don't have it. Why wouldn't you?
0: There's a bit of misconception out there. Some people, and they're entitled to their opinion and their viewpoint in life, that what's, that's what makes life wonderful, Ken, right? Yeah, true but right. they believe that if they put the money into the KiwiSaver, the government's going to keep their money and spend it on roading or fences yeah. or education. And unfortunately, I don't want to use the I word, but I am. There's a bit of ignorance there, right? Sure. And that can be down from um, you know
1: where they went to school, the people they talked to, etc., and they're entitled to their, their opinion. But I agree with you. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. I wonder, uh, you know, and probably you're a little bit biased on this one, but uh, we're talking life insurance, we're talking um, income protection insurance. There is separate health insurance, there's dental insurance, there's eye insurance. You, you name it, there's an insurance for it. Where do you stop Tim? Yeah, that's a really good question. That is a good question. Look, I, it's about understanding what the risks are,
0: and also putting, I guess, the person's individual circumstance on the table, and say, if this happened, how important would it be for you to bounce back and recover from that. Some people say to me, Look, you know what? I'm quite happy with the public system in terms mm. of health. I've had dealings with the health system and it's been fine. So I'm okay with that. I don't want to spend money on that. However, if I predecease my wife, it's important that she has a lump sum to clear the mortgage and to keep the kids roofed and well looked after. So that's more important to me. Whereas someone I could say the same question to might turn around and say, well,
1: actually, she's in a good job, she can carry on, but I don't want to use the public system. So horses for courses, Ken. Absolutely. Tim, uh, before I let you get back to work, just remind our listeners, we want some sound financial advice. Where do we get it?
0: We get it from Stuart Group. We are located at 204 Karamu Road in Hastings.